Welcome to Redressing Weddings. I'm Ilya Parkins. Last time we talked about one place where we see lots of complexity around weddings and planning, especially for folks who are queer, trans, or feminist, and that was family. For this episode, we talked to various women and non-binary folks about another area where there are a lot of feelings swirling around, and that's body image. Weddings are such heavily visual occasions, and they're all about your body being looked at and photographed. There are also these events that are pictured over and over again in pop culture in really tiresome ways. Thin, white, straight, conventionally gendered people. All this adds up to some definite stuff to navigate for women and non-binary people. We wondered how this affected people's processes of deciding what to wear for their weddings. Allison, who had her wedding recently, talked about how her body shape immediately made some decisions for her, ruling out some of the styles we tend to see romanticized in wedding media. I'm plus-sized and I have pretty big boobs, so it was important to me that I be able to wear uh, undergarments that were comfortable and supportive, not just uh, fashionable. (laughs) There was no backlist corsets happening in my house. (laughs) And Min, who's still planning her wedding but on the other end of the spectrum, looking for a suit, told us about the ways she hopes her suit does what Allison's dress did for her, allows her to be comfortable in her body, to move and to eat. I wanted to feel like like soft and like light and airy I want people to not feel restricted I guess I think that's like a main one especially when it comes to like my arms and like my pants I we're gonna eat a ton at our wedding I want to like look beautiful and look awesome and feel so confident but also be able to like sit down and have like an awesome supper with my my family and feel like okay right and not um have that reminder that I'm uncomfortable in my, my clothes like, I have gone to, like, other people's weddings before where, like, the clothes I wore actually was, like, looked really good, but I was, like, I couldn't, I could barely, like, breathe in them, but I wanted to look good that day, so I did it. But at my wedding, we could find that nice balance of feeling comfortable and um, also looking awesome. That would be, like, my goal. So Min's talking here about balancing comfort and feeling attractive. It's about recognizing that your body is both going to be doing things at your wedding and going to be looked at. It's going to be an ornament, as we talked about in one of our episodes about wedding dresses, but it's going to be moving and working too. She's looking for something that's going to be able to make all of this happen. Speaking of this question of your body being seen, Nicole had a really poignant description of what it actually felt like to wear her dress on the day of the wedding, how it helped her in that being looked at part, because it helped ward off some of the anxiety that she has about her own body. I'm not like a super secure person. Like I'm actually pretty insecure about my body so I was like kind of dreading standing up in front of people and I'm also not a public speaker and I like wrote my own vows I was like really nervous about all of this stuff and I feel like as silly as it sounds like the dress and then the cute shoes that I found and like wearing my mother's locket and you know like all of these little things it was almost like like cape you know that I could wear and be like I feel so good about myself And then not to mention just all of the love that we were surrounded with just made me be like, okay, it doesn't really matter what I look like at this point. Like I could be in my pajamas and I would feel amazing, but I'm wearing this beautiful dress that I'm obsessed with. And so it just kind of really pushed it over the top where I was like, oh yeah, I actually look really good right now. (laughs) (laughs) You did. Oh, so did you. And RJ, who's planning their wedding, also has a target in mind for how they want their clothes to make them feel in their body. Kind of like a (laughs) silly, but like a superhero kind of thing. I, I want to feel special. I want to feel like 
I've got that wedding day vibe that all of the people I see on these wedding shows get. I want to feel like that. For RJ, who's non-binary, this is especially important because of their fraught history with clothes. I have I have issues with clothes. I always have had issues with clothes. I've never really cared much about it, what I wear necessarily. I mean, I want to look good, but when I was younger, in my 20s, I was a competitive swimmer and very fit, too fit probably. And over the years, I have sort of let myself go a little bit and I feel frustrated with my body. So they're coming to the process of finding a suit to wear while their body is really on their mind. I'm not wearing a dress, that's for sure. Dresses are not my thing. Even though my guilty pleasure is wedding shows and like say yes to the dress, I want to wear pants and I would love to wear a suit, something well-fitted for my body, tailored, that makes me feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable in clothes. And that's just something that I need to work on myself. So I need, I know I need to be in better shape physically, healthily, but um, yeah, no dresses. Here's that theme again, comfort, which was resonating so much with the folks we talked to. For RJ, the idea of being physically comfortable is the goal, but this suit they imagine wearing isn't going to be easy to find. I have to wear clothes. I feel like I look better naked because nothing's being constricted. And I have huge tracts of land um, and they're really uncomfortable and they're really big and it doesn't look good in a suit. So I need something tailored. I want someone who knows what they're doing and who can fit a female-bodied person who doesn't identify as necessarily female. RJ really calls back here to our earlier episode on suits, where we talked about how tricky it can be for women, trans men, and non-binary people like them to find suiting that fits their bodies. I also loved what they have to say about how getting this suit that will make them feel good in their body will also affirm their identity and help them assert who they are to other people. Yeah, this is going to be the new me going forward. I mean, I haven't worn a dress in probably 12 years. 13 years, um, no one's going to expect me to wear a dress, but I want people to see me as this person who feels themselves the way that they are now. And I want that to be validated by other people. And I think that the suit would help that idea come to fruition. My, my family, especially. This brings up the questions we started this series with about how queer, trans, and non-binary folks' wedding clothes really help them make a statement about their identities, how they make careful decisions about what to wear because the wedding is this rare opportunity to ensure that who they are is seen and accepted. We heard something somewhat related from Andy, who's also non-binary. It resonates with RJ in the sense that Andy is clearly aware of the ways that this is an occasion where they're going to be looked at by guests. But Andy makes a different choice from RJ. So I ended up getting a dress, believe it or not, um, which was not, I don't think, what I originally did and wanted. And then I just kind of ended up swinging that way. And I think what brought me that way, uh, we went to a friend's wedding a couple years ago now. And I was just thinking, no one ever cares, gives a dang what the, uh, what the groom wears <laughs> ever. No one remembers. But I remember what my friend wore, she had the, the, who was the woman in the relationship the male and female relationship and <laughs> I'd like I don't know I didn't want to not be the one noticed if that makes sense I'm like I want to be a actual bride here too and so that was actually kind of what did it 
So there's a real recognition here that yes, this is an occasion to be seen, but the people who aren't seen as feminine tend to get eclipsed. And this might be especially the case because Andy's partner is planning to really go big. So Andy is surprising people with their choice of address. Everybody I've told has been surprised. There's still some people who don't know. That's going to be really funny. Um, that's gonna, because I don't think that's what they're assuming is going to happen. Um, but yeah, so I have a dress. It sounds as if the fit of dresses on their body has a lot to do with Andy choosing to wear one. I wear a lot more dresses just because I'm heavier and they're easier to fit. So I wear them a lot more often because that means I don't have to put pants on. And that's great. But feeling able to choose a dress was hard won. It wasn't always that way. In high school, I refused to wear dresses. I just would not do it. And that was, now in retrospect, definitely a gender thing. And it led to a lot of trauma for a teenager because it meant I wanted to wear pants all the time, but I was five feet tall and overweight. Um, so that was interesting. <laughs> it led to a lot of tears in dressing rooms. Um, and wanting to just, and just never quite feeling right in that either, even if it was closer to masculine. So coming in now that I'm older, I'm a little more okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm better about what I wear. I'm okay with wearing dresses. I'm a little more flexible now. Still, it sounds as if Andy's choice to wear a dress was partly about not feeling good in suits rather than feeling great in their body in a dress. Coming into that, into my wedding, I was just could not stop thinking that if I wore a suit, I was going to look like the Penguin Batman villain. That was the only thing that kept coming back into my head. <laughs> and I didn't want to look at that at my wedding. Like, you know, that's just not the vibes. <laughs> it was so interesting to hear from Andy about how this feeling bubbled up when they looked at queer wedding media. Somebody definitely advised me to look up what other people in weddings were wearing and um, in queer weddings, including queer individuals, queer women or non-binary individuals. And some of them were heavy and some of them wore suits and they all looked great, but I could not see me. <laughs> right. So I wasn't certain they're looking at all these people being like, wow, they look terrible and shouldn't be wearing that. But when I turn it on myself, it's suddenly very different. And you got to look for it a little bit too, because if you just go for like gender queer, you'll find the skinniest people, the skinniest, like most kind of short haired, like most cliche non-binary looking people who are like all of a size zero and have no chest whatsoever. Just like a chic, like butch light gender queer. And that's not the only type of gender queer, but it's the only type that fashion seems to be aware of. I'm so happy Andy got at this because it reminds us how what people can even imagine putting on their bodies can be shaped by the images that are out there, even in queer fashion and media circles. So Andy's decision to wear a dress was for a few different reasons, but one of them is not finding themselves in the non-dress images that they could see. And another reason was imagining what it would be like to be there along their partner who's wearing a dress. Part of me is like, well, I'll look great no matter what. And part of me is like, yeah, but I don't want to walk around feeling like I am the second fiddle at my own wedding and that I'm the awkwardly shaped awkwardly fitted one especially Shelby's thin which is not it's not in a sense of comparison but there's always a little bit there of just like are people seeing that weirdly I love this because we've heard a lot about how clothing is social throughout this series how it helps connect people to each other Andy's being really honest here about this other way clothing connects people which is potentially on this level of comparison even if it's only imagined what I find pointed about this is that Andy wants to feel and look like themselves. But of course, a wedding is not just about one person, but about the relationship between two people. So it makes so much sense that they would be finding it hard to just imagine themselves on their own there, and that their partner would come into play. 
But deciding on a dress for this whole host of reasons they talked about doesn't mean that getting the dress has been straightforward or that it makes them feel great in their body. I actually did get the dress fitted the other day and it was a minor nightmare. It did not look great. It looked huge. And the woman repeatedly told me this is how everybody feels at the first fitting before it's actually fitted. When I picked it out, um, they actually had to paper doll it on me um, because I was too big for the sample size. And it was only like maybe about three sizes too small, but they ended up putting it up against me. So it didn't really totally reflect great how big I was going to look in it. So I think that was a shock. And of course, the model of the dress online is tiny. So every time I like sent that around to share it with somebody, I got another look at, oh, here's the size four in it. <laughs> so finally, the reality of it was not expectation because expectation was just never going to happen. Um, it wasn't even a conscious thing. So I think I got to get used to it a little more. But that's why I, I, just, like, I so desperately wish that dress had a plus size model in it because obviously it came in the plus size. So part of what's been hard once again is coming up against the fatphobic wedding gown industry. And even though the actual dress will be sized for Andy, that initial weird experience getting it fitted, which could so easily have been corrected, is staying with them and they're projecting it into the wedding. So you put it on, you're like, this is not what I ordered. This is not what I wanted. I look like I'm in a... I was thinking, because we're going to marry it at the aquarium, like, they're going to think a beluga whale got loose, so they're going to throw me back in the tank, and it's going to ruin the whole day, which is a very morbid thing to say, but, like, that's how it felt. <laughs> but, so hopefully, but that's, I think, because of the whole method is, all right, now we have this huge dress on you, and of course, what else are they going to do? They can't not put it on me, <laughs> but that's how much angst is attached to this entire thing. I so appreciated Andy's honesty, though it's really hard to hear about how the lead-up is being shaped by this feeling about the dress and the way it makes them feel. But I was also taken with the ways that Andy is making peace with the dress despite all of this. People are going to be shocked out of their mind when they come down in the wedding dress. It's going to be hysterical. It's going to be so funny because some people are going to be so confused. That's also part of the reason I'm doing it. It's going to be really funny people sometimes would be like oh you're the guy and Shelby's the girly one and if anyone who really knows us knows that's full of crap um but I think some people might assume that like some of my family or people from the outside like you know here's the gender roles so this is a way of being like I'm leaning into a gender role to say no to the gender roles just like haha no <laughs> which it seems very convoluted and in the end just me in a dress but like that's my weird thought process, but it is divorced from how I feel about my gender to an extent. It is definitely a performance on my end, too. All in all, it was amazing to have people open up to us about how getting dressed for the wedding brings up issues with body image and confidence in their bodies. Maybe more than any other theme we've looked at, you can really feel the complexity that queer and trans people are living as they navigate this one. All the layers of contradictory feeling. It was so striking to hear Andy resolve that into their understanding that this is a performance, ultimately. We hope you'll join us next time when we'll have the first of two episodes exploring the wedding as a kind of spectacle. Redressing Weddings is produced by Ilya Parkins and Kenya Gutteridge. Editing is by Kenya Gutteridge. The podcast is supported by funding from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada. Our deep thanks go to all participants for sharing their stories.